0: Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's topic is coping and care. I'm just going to go straight in, and I'm going to introduce our guest speaker. So Dr. Pranel Bell is a licensed clinical psychologist and human resource consultant with a combined experience of over 20 years. Dr. Bell is a motivational speaker, educator, author, and columnist. She received extensive academic training in Jamaica and the United States of America. She has a PhD in psychology, master's degree in human resource management, and postgraduate certificate in clinical psychology from Walden University. She is currently a professor at Yorkville University in Canada, where she lectures in ethics and legal issues, human development, and diversity and culture. She has made significant contributions to the field of psychology and is a pioneer in the field in Western Jamaica. She's a consultant to many organizations in corporate Jamaica, where she's an executive coach organization development expert. She is sought after to provide psychological perspective on many issues affecting the Jamaican psyche, frequently quoted in the news media and is highly respected for her contribution to the field of psychology. She's the author of eight books, wow. Six therapeutic books for children, a teacher's guide to understanding mental disorders in children and a therapeutic book for poetry therapy. Dr. Bell is an international speaker and has presented at many conferences in the United States and Canada. Dr. Bell is the regional clinical psychologist for the Northeast Regional Health Authority,
1: NERHA. Welcome Dr. Bell. I'm feeling the energy, very good energy. So I was asked to look at coping and caring, but I want to um, start the conversation with just broadly talking a little about mental illness and what it is before I jump off into talking about family and coping. So mental illness is really a state of mind that affects a person's ability to function in a number of ways. Maybe socially, that is how they interact with others. Occupationally, they may not be able to perform their substantive position or occupation. And if they're attending school, it may be that their functioning, school functioning has been affected um, in a way that they're unable to carry out what would be necessary for them to maybe complete studies. So when we think of that, the person's mental state is affected so that it could become irrational or they could become irrational in their thoughts and behavior. So um, basically we are looking at individuals who may have both paranoid or delusional behaviors, or they may be depressed or suffer from some level of anxiety because there are a wide range of different kinds of mental illnesses that could affect anyone. And I want to bring this across. It is said that at least one in four persons at some time in their lives would have experienced a mental illness, one in four. And so that brings me to the point that if we are all members of a family, where we interact with members of the family, and if someone in the family is irrational, paranoid, um, maybe having false beliefs, delusional um, thoughts, if our minds go to that, we will begin to recognize that it could affect how they relate to members of the family. They, be, they would become paranoid or they may become suspicious of the persons around them. In my experience as a psychologist over the years, when persons begin to see them behaving this way, one of the very um, foremost thing that they will want to say is that this person is Obia and they may have lost Um, their faculty because somebody obeyed them. They cannot begin to wrap their heads around the kinds of behavior, especially if this person's personality has significantly changed from what they were before. And so if this behavior, they are constantly accusing members of the family or They are saying things that doesn't make sense or becoming aggressive and violent. This could bring chaos and unpredictable, unstable behaviors in the family. And what this could result in is that it could lead to broken relationships, broken marriages, family bonds broken, divorce, feuds, fights within the family. Because this person may be um, acting in a way contrary to what would bring unity in the family. So what are some techniques for coping with this kind of instability that may have occurred in the family? First and foremost, one, the person who may be presenting with mental illness must make sure that they are given a proper diagnosis because that's going to be a crucial piece. A psychiatrist or a psychologist is a person who would then make that diagnosis. Once they're given that diagnosis, there is a set level of treatment that is going to be um, unfolded for that person. And so the treatment may take both forms. Coming from a psychiatric perspective, it could be medication. And what medication does, because the, the premise here for many mental disorders is that the person may be having a chemical imbalance? We're all chemically wired, and chemical imbalances could lead to a person displaying behaviors, as I mentioned earlier, that could signify that the person is not maybe operating in their right mental state. And so as a result, may present with behaviors that go contrary to a united family. So consultation with a psychiatrist or a psychologist to give a proper diagnosis. After the diagnosis is made, the care would be, maybe there's medication, and also there would be psychotherapy. And what psychotherapy is, is talk therapy. Talk therapy really is best sometimes, not only is there a chemical imbalance, but there are psychosocial stressors that may affect this individual. And so as a result of being affected in this way, the person begins to present again, as we said, with mental health issues because of these psychosocial stressors. So medication, psychotherapy, which is talk therapy, the medication actually goes in and what it does is re-uptake the chemicals that may have been out of balance And so help the individual to be more stabilized so it could get rid of the hallucinations, the delusions that are presenting, the aggressive behaviors, because the medication has now regulated the person's um, behavior and put the chemical that is out of balance back in balance. And the person could, once on medication, remain as stable for a long time. We're not saying it's a cure, but we can live with mental health issues once we are on the right medication and actually getting the right kinds of psychotherapy that would be necessary. Another good way is that um, exercise and proper diet. A lot of people doesn't recognize that Um, A good diet can also help to regulate our moods. There are foods that help to make us happy. And so if we're able to find those um, food and, and have a proper diet, it could go a long way in caring for someone who may be presenting with mental health issues. Good support system is another thing that is very, very important. So rather than become aggressive, what is keen for the the, the caregivers to do is to become psychoeducated. And psychoeducation is getting a knowledge of the specific mental health issue so that they are in the know as to how the disorder manifests itself how the disorder um, can be uh, controlled, what are the necessary therapy and medication that would bring the um, the, the person back into some level of balance. Very, very important. Now, if someone is, is also suffering from anxiety or depression, we want to remember that depression is not just the blues, it's a deep level of sadness. I've heard people describe depression as they're in a gray place, they're like in a dungeon, a dark place, and all their thoughts are clouded. I once um had, I once spoke to a, a lady who said that she was in depression for about six months and she didn't leave her room for six months because she could not find the energy to actually move to be able to engage meaningfully in any kind of living situation and so she took to her room for a a period of six months only being given food through a A door, cracked door, not even opening the door fully to accommodate anybody inside. So how do we help somebody like that? One of the things is that, and I like to always go back to, we have to come from a place of acceptance for any kind of mental health issue that we are having. Both the person with the mental illness and the family should really accept that this is what is happening and that is not a death sentence. It means with proper care, proper coping mechanism that this person can live a near normal life. And so I am big on that first step that says, I accept that I am, and that the um, family also accept. From that place of acceptance then comes the acknowledgement that yes, this is what is happening. And once you acknowledge, then the steps, you begin to take steps. And as we said earlier, you psychoeducate both the person with the mental health issue and the caregivers, family members, should educate themselves about what this disorder um, is about. For the persons who are caring for um, these persons, we again have to come from a place of understanding. Remember the behavior is an altered mind. It's an irrational mind that may be at play. And so many of the behaviors is not driven by who the person is. It's driven by by what is happening biologically, physiologically in the person's being. And that physiological change can bring about those behaviors that we are seeing. And so we want caregivers not to create a situation in the home that will exacerbate the condition. And by that is when this person is erupting or maybe behaving a certain way, don't go toe to toe. Remember again that this behavior is coming from a place of this person not um, functioning in their mental state that would have been a normal mental state. What should happen is that caution should be taken where um, the, the persons who are helping, the professionals that are helping, should be contacted and then directives be given as to the way forward if there is an exacerbation in the behaviors that you're seeing. We should at all times try to de escalate the situation by not confronting and acting in like manner, maybe of how this person may be acting. So we de escalate by behaving in a calm way because we have knowledge of what's happening to this person and that what needs to happen is that maybe um, there need to be an increase in the medication or this person may need to be hospitalized. Very, very important that we understand that. We want to try to promote harmony regardless of what the behavior may be presenting, knowing that the action of our loved one is just triggered by the mental health issue that they're having, very, very important. So my full advice to families who are coping with and caring for loved ones battling with mental health disorders is that mental disorders are real illnesses, like any other illness that needs to be treated. So we, if somebody comes and says, I am diabetic or I'm hypertensive, they can always come out and speak like that. And nobody feels like it's a big um, issue. But if we come out and say, we are mentally ill and we're experiencing some mental health issues, there is a stigma. And so we want to break that stigma that is there and so that we don't walk around with that shame and embarrassment because mental health issues are just like any other issue. And we want to come from that acceptance that it can happen to one in four persons. And one in four means me, and it could be you too. So we don't want to discriminate. We want to educate ourselves about that. We want to encourage our loved ones to take their medication because sometimes in my profession we find that that is a big issue where persons are not compliant and they have all kinds of um, myths about what medication can do to them and so on. And so this is why it's so important that you talk to your mental health specialist or professional who would be able to guide you in making those decisions that are going to be in the best interest of the person with the mental health issue and the family.
2: No, sorry, Dr. Bella. I was just going to say there is because you've covered so much ground and there's yes. a lot of chatter going on now inside the chat. There are so many questions being posed to right. you for you to answer. So I'm going to ask Kayan to just jump and tackle some of those questions. I mean, while she's sifting through, I will go back to the very first question I saw. That one came from uh, Tian. He was asking... Uh, what are the disadvantages or side effects of medications that help to balance the chemicals? So we, we can start there.
1: Okay, so um, there are side effects, but the side effects, the, the, the benefits outweigh the side effects. So sometimes persons may um, come down with like headaches, nausea. They may also um, have certain stiffness. Again, that may be as a result of wanting to be a reduction in the dosage and so some people become frightened and scared about taking the medication but really studies have actually shown that the benefits outweigh those side effects that I mentioned which is most times headaches or if the person is taking the medication for a long time it may end up in in a condition that is called tardive dyskinesia which is like Uh, involuntary movement of the tongue but again with a good professional who is monitoring this person um, that may not happen because the medication needs to be um, decreased or increased and so this is how the um, doctors would do titrate the medication down to help the person to um, to stay healthy and stave off those side effects that may come. Mental health is very, very crucial. And there's no good health without good mental health. And we want to ensure that we come from a place of compassion when we hear about mental health issues and be supportive so that that person can be helped, can recover to a point where many, I started out by talking about the occupational functioning, many persons with the level of support that they get and care that they get both from professionals, from family and friends, that they recover to the point where they they have their jobs and once they're on their medication and once they have gone through some level of psychotherapy that they can function as normal as ever based on the fact that they are caring for themselves in this way.
0: Okay. And, and there was a question um, you were mentioning about taking medications and everything. So do these persons have to continuously take these medications, as in take them for life? Some That's persons. Re- go ahead. Sorry, finish.
1: go ahead.
0: You're That's the question. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, mental illness. Is mental illnesses they are not curable so once we have a mental illness is not curable but we know that wow. but we can live a normal life once we take the medication and psychotherapy we can uh-huh. come back to a state of normalcy and so medication may be something that you're on for the rest yeah. of your life.
0: Okay, so someone, all I think, I can move to this question before I go to the next one. Do you think persons can prepare for mental, for mental illnesses? When you say prepare, what do you mean? As in, I'm assuming, it was Shana who asked it, I think. Mm. I'm assuming, all right, like, I'm assuming that this person is like, if you know that in your family, there may be a history of it. Mm -hmm. Can you be proactive?
1: Yes. Prevent. That's what I think. That's the question you're asking. Can you, even though you may have a genetic predisposition, can you prevent? I'm assuming that that
0: may be the angle that the person is taking.
1: Right. Can you prevent? I I would say yes.
0: Oh, this person
1: said that you had made a statement
0: that we can prepare for it. The person that asked the question is yes
1: yes. we can prevent because it's when we go through repeated stressors and become overwhelmed sometimes by these stressors that it could lead into mental health issues so if we're able to manage those stressors and you know, live a certain life, we talk about positive psychology, where we show compassion to ourselves, some of us live with self esteem issues, some of us live with with um, abuse, and we never get help. And as a result of that, that could throw someone into both psychological as well as a psychiatric um, disorder. And so if we're able to help ourselves to stay in a positive zone, show ourselves compassion, be self, um, try to have good self-esteem, nurture our relationship.
0: So it's just like, it's just like building muscles when you're exercising, you have to continuously build on your mental health.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And make sure that we're thinking positively and, and, you know, stay in that zone of, of, of ensuring that we see life as yes, as problem-based but that these problems can be solved
0: so there should be a level of consistency where it is concerned in the practices that, that you, should be you a have way
1: of life or a way of, way of life.
0: life okay
1: now i want to shift and talk a little about we we're talking about mental health issues but how do we prevent ourselves from becoming is it preventable can we prevent mental health issues well some mental health issues run run in families so it has a genetic etiology or origin but some of our mental health issues again come from psychosocial stressors and so if we are able to manage those stressors and find healthy ways to resolve our problems quickly because one of the things that all of us should recognize is life is difficult, it's full of challenges, it's full of problems, but problems don't have to overwhelm us. What we can do is to prepare ourselves in such a way that we recognize that problems are there and once they arise, that we solve them. We become good problem solvers. We don't wallow in our, whatever it is that is affecting us because it is actually said that we become stressed, not by our stressors, but by the way we are perceiving how the stressors are, are um, affecting us. So perhaps perception is a big deal in our coping and caring for ourselves as we try to stay mentally well. We want to say, um, Good physical exercise is very good. And why we are saying that is that oftentimes, even persons with depression and anxiety, it is known to help and help in a large way because, again, it releases chemicals that are going to give us a good sense of well being. And so, exercise is very, very good. It helps to regulate the chemicals in the brain and helps to. Um, to stabilize us in a sense so that we are able now to have that good sense of well-being. A lot of people don't recognize that having very good support system, good um, relationships, the more we become angry and, 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 and upset with others is the more we are leading ourselves into being unwell. And so we want to really nurture our relationships that we have with others. Make an effort to be a good friend, not just asking for someone to be a good friend to us. Make an effort to be a good friend. Make an effort to to watch the way we are thinking. A lot of people don't recognize that thinking affects how we feel, and then ultimately how we're going to behave. That's the mind-brain connection. Thoughts affect feelings, and feelings are going to affect our behaviors. So the more positive we are, the more outlook that we have on life, positive outlook we have on life, the better our mental health is going to be. Because we're always going to be in that zone of, yes, being a realist, but also being an optimist, where we have hope.
0: Okay, Dr. Bell, thanks for that. I have another question here. It says, How do you accept something that you are unable to control? It can be very scary when the person is going through an episode.
1: Okay, and that's true. But again, that psychoeducation that I talked about. If we are psychoeducated, meaning that we know and have knowledge of how this, um, the symptoms play out, when those symptoms or the person is in an active phase of mental health issues, then they know exactly what to do. And once they act expeditiously, then the, the, the length of time that this person is in a um, heightened state, stage, state of mental um, illness will be decreased because you know what to do quickly.
0: All right. Um, another question is that who cares for the caregiver? they may suffer burnout. So who cares for the caregiver when they may be, you know, stressed Mm -hmm. in a
1: moment? That's a very good question. And so that's a very, very good question. And so the um, caregivers should also recognize that they're undertaking a task that is mammoth. And so that self-care is very, very important. So they should once we're in a supportive family setting and we should try to have that supportive family setting where we get respite care. And respite is that we too need to move away from the mentally ill person at some point. When I say move away, meaning take breaks away from caring so that we can also continue to recover our own mental health because we're not constantly just going going because we want also to build in to our care a normal life of recreation work caring for this um person in a balanced way i had a burning question all day for dr bell and i want to
2: ask it just before we bring in our other speaker so um dr Bell, you spoke about nurturing relationships and you know um having the right people that you can turn to to talk to my question is 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 going to go left of of this opening, of course, because um, sometimes, and I think everybody can identify with this, sometimes a persons um, you spoke about environments and abusive homes and situations that can possibly be um, the stimuli for you know having persons uh, experience mental health disorders, and sometimes there's no escape from from that environment. Um, you know, especially if we're talking about minors, you're, you're in that space, that person that's constantly causing you the pain is maybe your mother, your father, your aunt, or siblings. Um, but if you are in a position where you can speak openly, uh, a lot of persons who struggle with mental health already have real issues with confrontation, saying to somebody, I do not want to speak to you now, or you're really not good for me. Um, how do we handle that conversation how do we get to a point of you know saying I'm sorry you're not what I need right now um you're a trigger for me how do we have that conversation especially with a loved one without them not feeling um you know as if it's it's disrespectful and also not putting pressure on ourselves
1: so again um if this person is in any kind of care Um, as we were talking about care and care would be under the care of a professional. That person could be the broker in helping to bridge that gap and helping the family to better understand how to navigate this um, serious issue. And so that in a measured way would help the family member who is maybe the pushy person to break that silence and speak out in a way that is going to bring healing to the process. And so that person could be the broker with that to teach the family how to have frank conversations about the mental health issues and how to, as I said earlier, not to exacerbate it, but know when to back off and know when to speak and speak in such a way that persons are going to listen with the hope that they're actually helping to make the family unit a better unit because they're better understanding how to deal with the person who is ill and the person who is ill being able to speak their mind also to say what is upsetting them or what is on their mind.
2: All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Bell. There's still a lot of chatter going on, but we have to bring in our next speaker. Um, There is something that I'm going to ask you to address after this this speaker has spoken Uh, it's a question from from shana and michael who are having a conversation about knowing persons who would have been cured from uh, a mental illness or disorder of sorts depression anxiety so i'm going to bounce back to you after we allow khan to introduce our next speaker join us next week for part two of episode three